Amen. Can we give it up for the band for leading us? Hey, it's so good to see you guys tonight. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, good to see you. That was one out of the, that was right out of the Ryan Fontenot book right there. I don't know what I'm doing. I guess it's getting, anyway, hey, so glad that you're here. If you don't know me, my name is Steven. I'm the college pastor here at uh, First and really excited about tonight. We are in a new series called God, Me, or the Enemy. Uh, it's, it's a conversation on how to discern the voice of God. If you've ever had that question of how do I know it's God speaking to me, or is it just me, or is that actually the enemy, um, and how do we recognize and find the correct voice to follow. And what I'm hoping to do is, over the next three weeks, kind of take a deep dive into this subject matter, and I realize getting into it uh, and studying it that, man, there's a lot of paths we could take. Uh, I, 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 I'm not going to lie, I, I kind of wrestled with this one a little bit on all the different things we could talk about. And tonight I want to talk, I, I got to start at the foundational base level. I don't know if you grew up religious or if you've heard people talk like this, but I kind of grew up in church um, and I heard like people saying stuff like, you know, God told me. Anybody heard that? Like God, God told us to move here. God told me uh, to, to go do this or that, or uh, maybe, maybe it was the pickup line that the guy's like, God told me we were supposed to be together. I, I don't know. And you're like, mm, I don't think we have the, we're hearing the same thing. You know, I don't know. But it's like people either use that as like a manipulation tactic, like, man, God said it. So it's, I just got to tell you, man, I heard God and I, I'm like, this has to be it. And you're like, I, I don't, that seems weird. Or if you have someone that's just always talking about hearing voices, you're like, man, I, I think you're kind of crazy. Like, I don't know, man. You keep talking about hearing voices. You're a weirdo. Um, so, so does God actually speak? That's where I want to start tonight. Um, we know that many of us in here, you're in here because you believe in the Bible, you believe in the word of God, and you would probably affirm like God has spoken. And, and he's spoken through his word through uh, really, I mean, years and years of speaking in different ways. And, and so you believe the Bible, and this is going to be the foundation of this whole series, is the, the, the idea and thought that, A, uh, whether he's speaking right now or not, he has already spoken. He has already spoken on some things that we don't need him to reiterate, like it's, it's here, he meant what he said, the Bible hasn't changed, and we stand on the authority of God. We believe here at this church that the Bible is inspired by God, written both by God and by men inspired by him. We believe there's no error. Some of you in here, you're like, I don't know if I believe that. And that's okay. Um, we, we can talk about that. That's not what the conversation is tonight. But we believe that the Bible is without error. We believe that it hasn't changed in thousands and thousands of years. In fact, in 1948, I believe, when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls over there in the Middle East and pulled all these old scrolls out that date back to the first century, uh, it's about 100 AD, uh, and realized that it is actually an exact match to the manuscripts and the things that we have to this day. It's crazy how the Bible has been preserved. So we believe in the validity of that. But the question is, okay, so we know he's spoken, but does he still speak? Like, does he speak now? Does he speak to you? Does he speak to me? Are there prophets somewhere that we're still trying to hear from? Is the Bible enough? Do we need him to speak anymore? And that's some great questions. That's what I want to tackle tonight. First off, I'm going to give you like a bunch of scripture tonight, so I'm just going to throw some of these out there on the screen. You don't have to turn to these. We're going to turn to a passage in Matthew in just a minute. But first, in Hebrews 1, I want you to hear this, um, that he has already spoken. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2, long ago at many times and in many ways, like different ways God has spoken. Not only has he spoken a lot, a lot of different times, he's spoken in different ways. We know in the Bible he spoke through like a burning bush. He spoke 
uh, through prophets. He spoke at Mount Sinai. He even spoke through a donkey. Have y'all read that one? That's a weird story. Like, read about that where God literally speaks through a donkey. I don't know if he still does that, but he did do that at one point. Uh, but it says that he spoke to our fathers through the prophets in many ways. And then in verse 2 it says, But in the last days he has spoken to us by his Son, who he, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom he created the world. Now when the writer of Hebrews says in the last days, he's not talking about the end times. He's talking about like in these days, in the days that I'm actually writing. In these days, it's been 400 years of silence. Jesus comes back uh, and he is what uh, John would say in John 1. He is the word of God, the Lagos, the word made flesh. So he becomes the image of the invisible God, the God that is spiritual, the God that you cannot see. He becomes the image or the visible representation of the invisible God, and he is God's spoken word. He is the Lagos. So he speaks through his son, and so we listen closely to the teachings of Jesus because that is God speaking. Now, the question about whether he speaks still, uh, I want to go ahead and just answer that. The answer is yes. God speaks right now. God speaks today. God will speak tomorrow. He has spoken and he will continue to speak. It's part of his nature. How do I know that? Hebrews 4.12. So we've just affirmed the Bible, but let's see what the Bible says about the Bible. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than a double-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, to joints and marrow, and it discerns the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. What it just said right there is that the Bible's alive. Like today, the Bible's alive. Not physically, not like it's breathing and I like drop it. I'm like, oh, I think I just killed it. Like, right, that's silly. It's speaking about spiritual things. It is spiritually speaking to your soul, which is spirit. All the things of the Bible, all the things of the kingdom of God are spiritual God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So he's talking about that it is alive and it speaks even today to your spirit. And the other reason we know this is even in John, 4, or 10, John 10, verse 4, Jesus talks about his sheep, his flock, and it says that they follow him because they know his voice. God is still speaking today, and the primary way, the main way that he speaks is through the living word through the living word of God. And because we believe that God is also a living God and that he wants relationship with us and the foundation of all good relationships is communication. Like how are you gonna say you follow Jesus if he doesn't talk, if he doesn't speak? How is that a relationship? Like if I stop talking to my wife and we don't talk, that relationship's rough, right? And now, we, we, we are pretty good at communication. Let's be honest, though, in here. Some of us are pretty bad at communication. Some of our relationships are on the rocks because of it. And let's get real, all right? Some of you guys leave one another on red, don't you? Let's just be honest. You ever been left on red? Can we talk about this for just a second? You've been left on red. I've been left on red. I've left some of you on red, and I apologize, okay? And with me leaving you on red, it's not as bad as when you're talking to that girl, and you're like, hey, well, so what's up? I told you I'd... Call, just silence, right? It's just silence. And there's nothing that says death to a relationship like being left on red. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, well, I guess that's, it's been fun. I'm just going to go move. I'm going to move somewhere else. 
I'm going to find some new friends. I get left on red. Well, let me give you real quick at the top of this. Let's give the other person who's left you on red the benefit of the doubt, all right? Let's have some grace in here, okay? Because there's seven, I, I listed seven top reasons that you've probably been left on red, all right? And I, I need you to understand this, okay? Number one, the other person's genuinely busy. It, maybe. You're like, no, they're not. No, they're not. Maybe. Maybe they are genuinely busy. They're in a meeting. They're tied up right now. I mean, they're in class. The teacher's asking them a question. You text, and then it leads to number two. Maybe the other person just got distracted. And this happens to me a lot. This is probably my number one because I'm driving. You text me. I'm checking my text thread while driving. Not a good idea, right? And I'm like looking at it. I'm like, I can't respond to that right now. I could die. I'll respond in a minute, when I get to where I'm going, and then what happens? I do not respond, right? And not only that, and if you're on the B team thread, if I could just take a moment. <laughs> they have created a new thread without me, and I know about this. I'm not on it. <laughs> but y'all, they'll be like, I will wake up on a morning, and there'll be 123 texts from the B team. Guys, you have a problem, all right? There is no one being left on red there. Everyone's responded to everything but, but me. I'm, I'm leaving you all on red. Um, but I get distracted. So when I'm trying to reply to your text, I go to the B team thread. I got 700. I'm trying to like read and catch up. And then I think someone said something about me. I'm trying to figure that out. I think Ian made fun of me at one point in this thread. <laughs> but I get distracted. And then, and then it just gets buried. And then have you ever done that? You have to go back through old like text to be like, who have I like accidentally not talked to? I've done that. Or you've used the excuse, dude, I thought I sent, like, sinned. It just got, it got left. I'm like, that is, that is, it's actually happened, though. It does happen. Let's be gracious to one another, okay? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. But there could be other reasons. Uh, number four, no, sorry, I'm on three. Number three, you texted something and there's no urgency. There's no urgency. There's no need to reply. When you text me, hey, I'm just like, cool. Hey, thumbs up. Like, I don't, what do I do with that, right? Or, or you text me like just a meme. I've got a friend who's just meme guy, all right? I don't need any more memes. I don't even know how to reply to this. I just leave it. I'm just like, okay, cool. Uh, I'm getting all the text about the Astros right now in the trash cans. Y'all are so hilarious, Ranger fans. I love it. It's okay. I'm not bitter. I'm going to have to move on. Okay. Uh, but maybe there's no urgency. So like, I'm just like, there's no need to respond right now. I've got other things going on. And maybe that's just not the priority. Maybe we go deeper and go, maybe I'm not the priority, right? That's what you're saying. Uh, maybe, number four, you're more invested in that relationship than they are. Let's just, that was an ouch, right? Like, you're into it. And let's just be honest, they're not, all right? They left you on red because, like, you're interested. They aren't. Man, this is getting real. That is so, I should have made that the last one. Uh, okay. Or maybe like you're with, like they're your friend or you're talking or whatever, but the texts are getting serious, man. They're getting a little hardcore. And like, you're like talking about like, how many kids do you want one day? And you're just like, ah, uh, this is like too much. And I'm scared of commit. Like this is getting too real. And they just kind of leave it, leave it lingering. You're saying like, I love you. We haven't even said that yet. I don't are we in the I love you phase? So it's just getting too serious. So they leave you on red. That's not a good, that's rough. Not getting that I love you back. Um, should we get a list of hands? No, I'm kidding. Maybe number six, 
your texts are just boring. Dang, this is, this is mean. But I'm just, I'm just trying to be honest, all right? Maybe, and I, I could have probably put that in with the no urgency with the meme guy, but it's just like, I'm interested in other things. I'm not paying attention to that thread. I'm, I'm talking to other people, so maybe I got to like get more interesting. They have, someone else has their attention. I don't know. Or maybe, number seven, you actually did something that ticked them off. You said something, you did something, they're done with you, and they're straight up ghosting you. You get that feel every once in a while? No? Maybe? Do we need to have a whole, we need to just have like a whole night on ghosting, like what to do when you're being ghosted. Uh, so maybe that's true. I'm going to lean on number one and two and be like, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're busy. They're distracted. They'll get to me at some point. We're cool. I'm going to give them grace. All right. But maybe it's something else. You see, communication is key to relationship. And if you ghost someone, if you leave them on red, it really is the death of that relationship. But the reality is for many of us, we would say that God speaks to us through his word that he has spoken. And yet you're going to tell me like, no, man, God's been really silent lately. And you tell me God's been silent while the Bible is closed. He's not silent. He's being left on red. We, we want so bad for God to speak to us, but we're not pursuing him. We're not seeking him. And so tonight, I want to go real quick. If you've got your Bible, I want to open it up to Matthew 13. Matthew 13. Thank you. Were y'all there when we like freaked out R.T. Kendall? Yes. That man was like 88 years old and we're all, woo I thought he was, he's like, I loved it. He goes, what do y'all know about Genesis 45 or wherever we were? It was so great. It was a great moment. You'll have to go back and watch that. Uh, love that. Keep, keep that up. Um, here's what I want to do. I want to read a story in Matthew 13, and what I want to talk about tonight are the barriers to hearing God. The barriers to hearing God, because here's what's interesting. Even in the Bible, Jesus is going to say things. In fact, in this text, uh, the context of it, he is quoting Isaiah 6, and here's the quote from Isaiah. In Isaiah 6, it says this, go say to the people, hey, keep hearing, but don't understand. Keep seeing, but don't perceive. Don't see it. Make the heart of his people dull and their ears heavy. Blind their eyes lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. Like there's this spiritual blindness or the spiritual deafness that even though I can hear God, even though I can read this, I'm not perceiving, I'm not understanding. There are barriers that keep us spiritually from seeing and knowing God. And I wanna talk about them tonight because he gives the crowd this parable. And I haven't really seen it in this context, and it kind of like hit uh, late last night that that's what this text is about. So I'm going to story it first. Here's what Jesus does. So he's teaching, and he's by the Sea of Galilee, and what they would do, they didn't have like mics and like, you know, sound systems. So there's this whole crowd on this, on this side of the mountain. And so he gets into a boat, and he gets out into the water and like speaks kind of like this, like this was water, y'all are up on the mountain. And he would teach this way because his voice would project and he could speak to a lot of people. And that's kind of what's going on. There's this big group there. But he speaks in parables so that those who know his voice would hear his voice and those who don't won't. But it's interesting what he teaches on. And here's what he says. He tells the story of this guy who is a sower. You don't know what a sower is? Just think farmer. He's a farmer. He is planting seeds. He's trying to get a crop to come up out of the ground. This would be something in that day that was so common to everyone. Everyone knew farming. Everyone understood that. We, I mean, we're in Wichita Falls. We understand it, right? Okay, 
So he talks about a sower, and he says that, that the sower sows seeds, and, and it lands in four different places. He says the first seeds he throws out, it lands by the road. It lands by this path. And the birds of the air, they see the seed, and instead of it being able to go down, take root, the birds come in, and they steal it. They eat it. Before it could ever sprout, before anything could happen, the seed is gone. Then he says the second seed, it, it lands on soil, but the soil is rocky. It is shallow. It has rocks and it's not good soil. And so what happens is it takes root, but the roots are really shallow and it springs up really quick. You ever wonder like, wow, like how um, weeds and stuff can just grow so quickly? Like I have a rock flower bed. It's just rocks. And then I have like, like green like weeds coming up everywhere and then my grass is dying. I'm like, I don't get this. Because that's what, they, they can grow up and they can sprout and they can look great for a minute. But the moment the sun comes out, there's no root there and they shrivel up and die. Then he says, there's a third seed. And the third seed, it lands in the good soil, but the good soil also has thorns in it. And they kind of grow up together. So it's, it's the wheat or, or this crop and there's thorns in it. And they grow up together. And then finally, he says... But then there's a fourth seed, and it is sown into good soil, it says. And in the good soil, this crop is able to flourish, it's able to grow, and it multiplies. It multiplies a hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. All of it is growing and bringing about more life. He who has ear, let him hear. And so the people are going, what are you talking about? Maybe you're going, what is he talking about? Well, he's talking in parable, but in this parable, he actually goes further and goes, let me explain to you what I'm talking about. So that's what I want to read tonight. And these are the barriers to hearing the Lord. Verse 18. Hear the parable of the sower. The sowing is, the seed is the word of God being heard, God's word being heard. And this is how he explains it. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what's been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. This is the first one, that there is a real enemy who wants to steal, who wants to twist God's words, who wants to take that from you so that when you experience God, you're like, oh, that wasn't God. That was just emotion. That was just, I was just in a moment. Like the enemy comes in and he wants to steal that away. He doesn't want you to follow the voice of God. That is a true barrier. And by the way, just on a side note, we're going to hit that one on week three. I'm going to talk all about the enemy, how to recognize and resist the voice of the enemy. So I'm not going to give that a lot tonight. We will get there. But that's the first one. That's the first barrier is the birds or the, the real enemy. In 1 Peter 5, it says that the, the devil, the enemy, he prowls around like a roaring lion. That means that when he speaks to our thoughts and that's where he attacks, it is loud, man. It is right in front of you. It is so in your face. His lies, the shame, he's wanting you to live and walk in shame and hiding and feel terrible about yourself and let you know that God wants nothing to you. That, that's his voice and we'll get more into that in week three. He wants to accuse and lie and steal because he, he does not want you to have a relationship with God. That's a barrier, and we need to be aware of that. Week three, all right? The second one, he says, 
verse 20, and what's sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word, and he immediately receives it with joy. Like, he's pumped. Like, heaven, I get heaven, I just got to say a prayer, I can come down and sign a card, and I get heaven, I'm in. This is awesome. Then what does it say? Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a little while, and when tribulation or persecution rises on account of the word, on account of his decision, he is now persecuted for that, he immediately falls away. So this is the stony, the shallow ground. I'm going to get to that in a minute. And then the third barrier. As for what is sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. And finally, what is sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. And he will indeed bear fruit and yield it. In one case, a hundredfold. In another case, 60. In another case, 30. He explains the parable. Now, like I said, three main barriers here. The enemy, the birds, the stony ground, which is your hard heart. It is not receptive to the depths of what God is doing. It likes the idea of God, but not interested in pressing in and knowing God and following God. It's like the person that's like, man, I'm, I, heaven sounds awesome. I could care less if God's there or not, but I'll take the gold streets. I'll take, like, it's like, don't you know, like, for those of you that don't actually want a relationship with God here, like, that's what heaven is? Uh, Dallas Willard says it this way, God will give heaven to anyone who can stand it. To the one who wants it. That's interesting, right? To the one who wants God. But no, 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 just the shallowness of like, I, want, I like the idea of it. And then finally, the third one, that I want God and I want the world too. I want them both. I feel like I can walk with God and just have an amazing, awesome, comfortable life just like everyone else. God's not going to ask anything of me and I'm just going to try to like please both. But Jesus says it's impossible. You cannot serve God and money, right? So I want to get into that tonight. And to do that, I want to show you something does anybody know what this is? Have you guys seen these? It's called a radio. I don't know. I don't know how to talk about this with sounding like really like facetious. I'm not trying. Like, y'all have radios? I mean, y'all push a button in your car sometimes. You listen to that K-Love, of course. And what's the local station? K-R- some KMOC. The OG. It's been here a long time. Then you got Air One, for those of you a little more Pentecostal. Um, really good. Uh, I like Air One, actually. That's kind of my jam coming to church. But um, this is a radio. Apparently, it's a, like, it's supposed to help in a time. I don't know what else it does. But anyway, it's a radio. So the radio's got some important features. Number one, it's got batteries. Now, if the batteries go out on it, I'm like, it does have a little, that's kind of cool. You can, you know, do that. I don't know. Rod gave me this. I don't know what all it does. But it's got batteries. Then... To turn it on, you're going to need batteries, or you're going to have to whine for a while, but you're going to need some power. But even if I've got batteries in it, even if it's got power, i got to do something else. i got to, I got to turn it on. It's got an on switch there, you know. Uh, let's see what we got. So on switch. Hold on. Oh, yeah. It's on. How's that sound? Sound good to you guys? So once you get it on, 
This is what y'all aren't used to, what we used to have to do back in the day. We had to do this on TVs too, y'all. You'd never, I mean, there was foil involved and antennas. We're just trying to get a channel. Y'all don't know about that, but you can look it up. So once you get it on, now you gotta dial in. You gotta tune into the right station. Oh boy. Where are we going? Oh. Well, wait. Eating is the problem, and it is ultra-processed food that is fueling the pandemic. So if you're wondering about processed food and the pandemic, this guy's been talking about this whole time. Y'all didn't even know. Y'all are sitting here, mind your own business, but the whole time this has been going on in this room. Someone's speaking. We're going to get off that station now. We don't know what that is. Let's get to, like... This is real good, Steven. She's trying to find a Christian station. We found the voice of God, guys. We found it. We found it. All right. Why am I talking about that? The whole time, this has been happening in this room on a different level. You see, the Bible is alive and active. It is a spiritual thing. It's not seen. It, there is a whole other thing happening here on the spiritual side, and God is speaking in the same way to you and I, but we're not always tuned in. And so let, let's go to these barriers. Number one, the batteries. I want to talk about this. One of the main barriers to hearing God is doubt. And, and, and faith is the opposite of doubt. Faith is the power to hear. And, and before you like, what do you mean by that? Let, let me go to a quick verse. Hebrews eleven six. write that one down. Here's what it says. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. For anyone who would draw near to God, there's two things that have to happen. They have to, one, believe that he exists and believe that he will reward those who seek him. I need some of you to hear this because you're like, no, I believe in God. But if I was to be honest with you, do you actually believe that he is here right now and he wants to speak to you? This is step one. And I'm gonna be honest, there's times where I'm so familiar with the Bible that I even know what tomorrow morning's reading's gonna be. And I'm like, God, I already know. I already know the parable of the sower. I already know this story. And I'll literally be like, I don't know if, like, I already know what he's gonna say to me. It's doubt. Am I not open to what he wants to speak, even though I've read this a hundred times? For you, maybe it's just like, man, I don't know. I, I read the Bible and I get nothing out of it. I don't know if God is really speaking. I don't understand this thing. And I just, I don't know. But the Bible says that without faith, without a belief that there really is a God who is alive and wants to speak to me, and that he is the rewarder of those of you who would seek him, he always shows himself to the ones that want him. He doesn't just come out like, here I am. I know you didn't ask for me, but I'm, I'm right here. Hello. He's the God who rewards those who seek him. In fact, in Matthew 7, it says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Jeremiah 29, 13. If you seek for me, if you search for me with all your heart, you will, that's a promise, you will find me. Do you believe that? Because we can say that we believe that information, but how do we live actually shows what we really believe. And so, so i got to have batteries to even get started. I have to believe that there's a God who wants to speak to me. And some of you, that's the first hurdle for you tonight, is to really believe that. Second, though, is the on-off switch. And I would call that barrier pride. 
Pride is the second barrier. And here's how it plays out. I don't need this on, even if I believe that this is a radio and it's got some good stuff. I don't need this in my life. I don't need God to speak to me. I got this, God. You probably have some good things to say in here, but my life's fine right now. I don't really need you. And so there's no reason to turn this thing on. Even if it's got batteries, I'm good. Do you actually want to hear from God? Do you need God? You see, the hard heart, the stony ground, it hears about this story. It hears that, man, man I, can, I can go to heaven. I can do this. But then it's just like, that's awesome. That benefits me. There's no heart of brokenness. There's no heart of like, man, my sin has separated and grieved the heart of God, and I need him. You see, this person has momentary feelings that change, but not a soul that changes. This person thinks there's salvation without a conviction of sin, that there's outward excitement with little inward change. I'm going to come to God for a personal benefit, but there's no remorse or repentance or any change in my behavior. I just, if I, if I sign the card, I get, I get Jesus. John MacArthur says it this way, if a person's profession of Christ doesn't involve a deep conviction of sin, a genuine sense of lostness, a strong desire for the Lord to cleanse them, a hunger and thirst for righteousness, an actual love for his word, and a genuine willingness to suffer for his sake, then there's actually no root of spiritual life in you. There may be some in here that have signed the card, walked the aisle, but there's never been a place where you were broken over your sin before God. And Jesus' words, he's already spoken, said, blessed are those who are poor or broken in spirit. They are spiritually bankrupt. They're the ones that get the kingdom of God. There is no one in heaven that's not spiritually bankrupt. There's no one in, that's gonna be in heaven one day that's not poor in spirit. It's the, it's the starting place of being broken before God. He's like, you cannot have a relationship with God and want to be God and not need God. The reality is whether you think you need him or not, we know that we need him. And so pride can be a barrier to hearing him. In Jeremiah 33, 3, it says this. God says, if you call on me, I will answer you and I will tell you great and hidden things that you do not know. You see, pride says, I know it all. I don't, there's nothing hidden I need to know. But the humble would say, God, you are my life. You know way more than me. You are wise. I'm seeking you. I want you to speak into my life. I want to hear from you. I want to know which way to walk, what to do. And I'm going to look for you in your word. It's humility, a teachable, open heart that welcomes him in. It turns it on. Yeah. All right. Now, well, hold on. You remember how when I turned it on, it was just static? That's number three, the thorns. The thorns is the noise of your life, that this whole world is marketing this thing of like, pursue this, pursue that. This is what you need for joy. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to be about. Invest in this. Be with someone that looks like this. Work in this field. Do this. Have this product. Have this diet plan. Have this workout plan. And if you look a certain way, you're going to have life to the fullest, and it's empty, and it's nothing. The cares of this world is a lie. But it's in us, it's in me. I still want to be recognized. I still want comfort and ease. I don't know what yours is, but he's going to say specifically to watch out for the deceitfulness of riches. 
1 Timothy 6.10, the love of money is the root of evil. You cannot serve God and serve this world. You cannot worry so much about what this world thinks of you, says about you, and care about what God says. We've got to realign, we've got to tune in to what God says about us so that we can approach and face the world as he needs us to. We have to retune. Your lives are so noisy. So when he says, he who has ear, let him hear, what are you listening to? What voices do you listen to constantly? Is music always on? Is there always something going on? Is TV always on? YouTube always on? Social media always scrolling? Always got to figure out what's going on. It's really hard to hear God when you got all these other voices speaking into you. It's really hard. It's why Jesus would go away and he modeled this. He would go away into solitude. He would start his day alone with God to tune in, to get in the right channel, to hear from God. Silence, solitude, and prayer. These are the gateways. These are the openings to hearing God's voice. So if you think God's been silent, you don't feel like you've heard from him, I would say start with solitude, quiet, drawing near to his word, believing that he will speak to you, that he'll meet you in this. And you don't need Beth more to help you. You don't need uh, the version plan to help you. You can dive into his word and believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you through the living word that it declares that it is. You don't need a Devo plan. But you've got to be in his word. I'm going to talk a lot more about this next week, hopefully from more of a practical place. We don't hear God because our ears are listening to so many other things. We don't hear God because our eyes, our attention is distracted. We're focused on everything else. We're not looking at him. We're looking at everyone else. Like, what do you think about me? What are you saying about me? What do I want? How am I affecting you? But when my eyes are on him, these things, it it just changes the game when I'm focused on him. Leaving God on red, my question to you tonight is do you leave him on red? See, we can get so mad about people doing this, but let's put that list back up back there. Top reasons you've left God on red, you're you're genuinely just too busy for God. Let's be honest. you got too much going on. There's no way. I can't carve out time for solitude. I can't do that. I'm unwilling. Too busy. You are distracted. Everything else has your attention. Your thoughts are... If we were to do a thought audit of like, what all did you think about today? Did God even hit that thought audit? Was there ever a thought of like, God, what are you wanting this? What are you doing in this? What are you speaking right now? What are you leading me in? Is there ever a thought in his, his scriptures, meditating on his truth? You, you might have left God on red because you don't feel any urgency with God. Like life's fine. I mean, when I get broken up with, or when that job crumbles, or when that job opportunity crumbles, then I'm desperate, then I feel a need. I gotta get back into God's word. I'm telling you, no, 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 you need him now. You need him today. Feel the urgency. We're missing out on what God wants to speak to us when we don't pursue him. Maybe he's more invested in the relationship than you are. Isn't that the truth? We're the ones that move. We're the ones that drift. I'm the one that drifts. God's there. 
Maybe things are too serious for you. You have commitment issues. He's calling you to give something up. I don't want to, God. I don't want to hear your voice. You're going to make me give something up that's actually hurting me anyway, but I think I like it. I don't want to hear you. Don't, don't, don't speak into my life, God. It's going to get uncomfortable. And all he's trying to do is bring life. His scripture is boring to you. It's just a bunch of words. It's just an old thing. I, I got to check a box so that God's good with me. And he's like, no. This isn't about checking a box and doing a religious thing and being like, well, I read my Bible today, everyone. I'm God's favorite. It's like, no, this is about communicating. Let's talk. Let's, let's, let's go over this. Let's look at your life through the lens of what Jesus is speaking, what his spirit is speaking through his living word, and let's have a relationship. Maybe he said something or did something that upset you. Maybe you're in here, you've left them on red because you're so disappointed in God for something. He let something happen to you and you're like, man, I don't want anything to do with it. That's part of my testimony. When my father died, I was like, I don't want anything to do with a God that is supposed to be in charge of all this and lets that happen. He's not, he's not for me, leaving me fatherless, 13 years old. I don't want anything to do with God. And maybe for you, there's been a moment in your life of disappointment. And you're like, I don't want anything to do with this God. Here's what I want to tell you tonight. As he did for me, God is so good that he'll wait. He's not the God that's standing there offended by you leaving on red. He's the God there waiting for you to see that he's everything you actually need. He's, he's the one that will heal that hurt. He's the one that will lead you through that pain. He's the God that will not leave or forsake you in the midst of the broken world we live in, in the midst of this world that's clamoring for all of our souls and not bringing life to them. And so as the band comes up and we think about what does it look like to be good soil tonight? The good soil was the soil that heard the word of God, understood it. And I'm gonna go a step further. If you still have your Bible, it'll be on the screen, but if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Revelation 3.20. I wanna close with this thought. The scripture's sort of quoted out of context a lot. We're gonna get into that, but Revelation 3.20, let me just tell you what's happening. This is one of the seven letters to the churches. This is a prophecy that John is writing, and it's God's love letter. It's God writing this church, telling them, like, hey, listen, this is direct communication. I need you to know something. It's one of the harsher of the letters, because what he says to the church that they ought to see is that you are lukewarm. You're of no use. You're not hot. You're not cold. You're not reaching the world like I've called you and created you and made you to be. You're just, meh, going through the motions. And he gives them a pretty harsh judgment. You think he's about to rain fire down in this church. And then he gives them an invitation. And for any of you, they're like, man, I'm far from God tonight. Man, I don't know if I got a relationship with like, I haven't heard from him. I, I've left him on red. I'm feeling bad about that right now. Let me, let me tell you what God is saying in that. Here's his voice tonight. It's an invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's talking to the church. He's talking to church people. I'm here. I'm waiting. I stand at the door knocking. If anyone in here would hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. I am not here at the door as a solicitor. I ain't trying to sell you something. I'm not trying to bamboozle you. I just want a relationship. I just want you to open the door so I can come in and be in your life. I want you. I want to be in your life. 
Open the door. But what do we do? We're like, oh, I got to get the house clean first. Like, oh, my, there's a guest. Clean the house. Like, God knows your mess. He doesn't need you to clean up and then open the door. He needs you to open the door. It's his presence that cleans it all up. It's his work. It's his blood. He's the one that brings relationship. You don't, you don't earn that. He's just here offering it. Come. All you who are weary and heavy laden, come to me. I'll give you rest. I'm here at the door and I'm knocking. I, I, I've been here all along. And I don't just need something from you. I, I want you. I want your heart. I want you to know mine. I want to walk with you. I want you to have life and I want you to have it abundantly and this world is not going to give it to you. So draw near to me. Tonight, he stands at the door. This is what that means. He's present. He's here. He's at your house. He ain't texting. He ain't calling. He's shown up. He is present. And not just that he's at the door, but he stands at the door. He's not sitting there waiting. I've been knocking for hours. Is there never going to open the door? He's not sitting there. He hasn't left. He isn't looking from afar. He stands at the door and knocks. He is present and patient. And finally, he is not kicking down the door. That's not how God works. Our God is polite. He knocks. He waits for you. He initiates, and then he waits for you. Your only role, your only part is to open up to give your heart to him, to give your ears to him, to give your eyes to him, to give your attention to him and let him do the rest. So tonight in this room, there's some of you that he's knocked on the door of your heart before. You felt conviction, you felt him calling you into relationship and you've received it. But for whatever reason, lately you've kind of left him on red. Whatever reason, you've kind of gotten off track. And tonight he is pulling you back. You feel him knocking. That's, that's God speaking, by the way. That's his voice. That's, that's kind of what it's like. We're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. It's the thing that you can't describe, but you know it's him. It's this like tug, and it's kind of subtle, but it's clear, and you know exactly what it is. That, that's, that's what he sounds like. And he's calling you back to just repent, to open up to him again to remove those barriers that he's already removed and just draw near to him. For some of you in this room though, if you're to be honest, you've never had a relationship with God like that. Like you, you know God, like you know church, you know religion, you've, you probably know some things he's said in his word, but you don't have a relationship with him like that. That's the God of the Bible. The God who wants relationship with you, the God who wants to cleanse you and forgive you and restore you and redeem you and heal you through the thing that he's already done. That is Jesus, word of God made flesh to dwell among us so that he could live the life you can't live, live perfectly, be judged for the sin that you committed and I committed so that he could be judged and we could go free if we would just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Lord and that God raised from the dead, we will be saved. We will be brought into a spiritual relationship with God, restored. This is the gospel, and some of you, you need to receive that tonight for the first time. And if that's you, I wanna pray for you tonight. So as the band leads us, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow their head, and if, if, if tonight, that first group, man, I'm, I know Jesus, I've invited him in, I've opened the door, I've let him in, but for some reason, lately, I have not been near him. 
And I need to return. I need to open the door again, surrender my heart to him. I need you to pray for me. If, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you tonight. Man, I just, I really need to draw back near to God. I know he's tugging on my heart. I'm saved. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God, but I have not drawn near to him. And I need, I need a relationship restored tonight, okay? Anybody else? Yep, yep. Lord, you see these hands all over the room. I thank you for your voice that still speaks today and is speaking now. There may be even someone in here that, that, that needed to raise their hand that didn't, but I pray right now, Lord, that this would be a marker tonight of realization that I can just, I can just come back to you. You're, you. You've never left. You were here the whole time. And Lord, I pray for these hands, God, that you would continue to speak, that you draw them into your word, and that, God, that you would be very alive and active in speaking to them and leading them, protecting them from the enemy and protecting them from this world you would stir their hearts. Oh.